Welcome to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Watts. If you want to change your drinking habits and create a peaceful relationship with alcohol, you're in the right place. This podcast explores the strategies I use to overcome a lifetime of family alcohol abuse, more than 30 years of anxiety and worry about my own drinking, and what felt like an unbreakable daily drinking habit. Becoming an alcohol minimalist means removing excess alcohol from your life so it doesn't remove you from life. It means being able to take alcohol or leave it without feeling deprived. It means to live peacefully, being able to enjoy a glass of wine without feeling guilty and without needing to finish the bottle. With science on our side, we'll shatter your past patterns and eliminate your excuses. Changing your relationship with alcohol is possible. I'm here to help you do it. Let's start now. Well, hello and welcome or welcome back to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast with me, your host, Molly Watts, coming to you from, well, it's been a little rainy, a little sunny, a little thunder booming, (laughs) a little bit of everything around here this last few days in Oregon. We are coming into uh, the change of seasons, right? And as we approach the fall, things are cooling down a bit, but I see on my weather horizon this week, some beautiful high 70s days that, that are really the the perfect time here in Oregon. And I always look forward to this early fall season. So, hey, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, Welcome back to me. I have been doing some traveling this summer. I've been spending time with family and I've been enjoying a little bit of a break in terms of only recording introductions for my summer content series. I teased last week that I wasn't really supposed to do another summer content series this week, but I decided that I was going to. But this one's a little bit different, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, But first, I have a prize winner. That's right. I have a prize winner. I think I've forgot to do it a couple of times this or maybe during my summer content series, but I am back and we we are here for the prize winners. If you want to be entered into a drawing for some alcohol minimalist swag. All you got to do is leave a review of the podcast or of my book, Breaking the Bottle Legacy, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you read the book, and I will find you and add you into the big prize random drawing prize generator, and you could be our next winner. This week's winner is E.A. Sharp. E.A. Sharp pretty sure I know who this is. And on this review says, Molly is very positive and encouraging. Her knowledge and experience are just what I needed to continue changing my relationship with wine. So thank you, EA Sharp. Thank you for listening. Highly recommend it says and appreciate your positive review. You can just email me, molly at mollywatts.com. Let me know that you are indeed my prize winner and I will send you out some alcohol minimalist swag. And P.S., if you're one of my prize winners who maybe I haven't gotten around to mailing this last couple of few weeks, I promise I'm getting them in the mail this week, 100%. I apologize for that. So like I said, we are back. It is the first week of September. We're just coming out of Labor Day weekend. And for the kids, it's back to school time. And, you know, as a, and as much as I love summer, I love the warm weather. You all know that. I have to tell you that 
maybe it's because I am the daughter of an educator. Every time the back to school time rolls around every year, I get so energized during the beginning of September. The first day of school is something that is still a little bittersweet for me, not only because I don't have kids that are (laughs) going to school anymore in my house, but uh, it actually plays into this week's episode, which, as I said, is kind of a special end of summer, end of the summer content series shared episode. And the reason that the first day of school is a little bittersweet beyond not having my own kids going off to school anymore is that one of the things my dad loved doing after he retired was coming up to our house on the first day of school to take pictures with my kids, with his grandsons. Every year they'd stand back to back to see how much they had grown since the last September. He'd tease them, especially as they grew, and he inevitably shrunk a bit uh, until they all eventually, of course, surpassed him. And those pictures on our doorstep bring me such joy. And I'll tell you, my dad absolutely understood how to age with optimism, how to maximize his time with his family, and how to create traditions. We didn't have weekly dinners together or anything like that, but he recognized childhood milestones and integrated himself into them. He showed up for games and choir concerts and school assemblies. He took the kids to ice cream, of course, after that, uh, after those, uh, those events. And he did all of this despite his age, despite having to navigate my mom's drinking, because remember, my mom kept drinking and she drank until she, until she died at the age of 81. So this was, you know, happening as my dad continued to age too. And he kept on going with all of it, even after she passed. He did it because he knew what mattered in his life and in his children's and his grandchildren's lives. It's also why he organized family reunions every two years and why we went and celebrated and did a family reunion this year, really to honor him, even after his passing. He, he did those every two years for us from the 1990s until 2018 when he celebrated his 90th birthday with a big party that we, that we were all a part of. And, and what's the moral of this story? Why am I sharing all this? Well, yes, it is the first day of school this week and I'm missing him, but I decided that I wanted to honor his legacy and share an episode this week from my previous podcast, Live Happier Longer, as kind of a special wrap-up to this summer content series. What I talk about here on Alcohol Minimalist is really an extension of the work that I started back at Live Happier Longer and Five for Life. And this episode that I'm going to share with you, I actually recorded it in March of 2020. It was literally the last episode I dropped before I and everybody else started talking about the pandemic. This episode was a compilation episode. I took snips from previous episodes and put them all together as the best of habits. I think back on this time and where I was in terms of having a peaceful relationship with alcohol. I had successfully changed my daily drinking habit, and I had begun to master what I now call the behavior map results cycle, but I didn't call it that yet, of course. And my book was just beginning to take shape in an outline form. 
As you listen to this, I hope you can apply something that you hear to your relationship with alcohol. If you are a habit drinker, like I was, simply changing the frame that you use on your drinking habit to to make it simply a habit that no longer serves you, as opposed to character flaw, a disease, or some sort of insurmountable weakness. And then choosing to identify as someone who wants to minimize alcohol in their life. These are such important mindset shifts. And I really hope that as you listen into this this overall kind of talk about habits and habit formation and and habits that don't serve you. Listen in and apply these concepts to your drinking. I'll be back to summarize just briefly at the end. And for sure, next week, I will be here again live with a new episode. So I will see you then and enjoy hearing from me on Live Happier Longer. This week, I am revisiting on the podcast some of our very best episodes on habits and grabbing some of the best little nuggets of each. One of the lessons I've learned over the last nearly three years of building Five for Life is the impact that habits have on our lives. Ultimately, it's what you do consistently over time that defines what your life story will be. And consistency and time, those two things are major pieces of what defines a habit. Webster's Dictionary defines habit as one, a settled tendency or usual manner of behavior, and two, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. It's the involuntary piece that really requires our attention. (laughs) We hope that we can build habits that serve us to the point that they really are nearly involuntary, involuntary or automatic. But we also have to look at habits that don't serve us as they may have become so automatic that we don't notice them. So one of the very first conversations that we had about habits was episode number 23, when we introduced Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect. I remember how I felt when I when this idea really sank in for me. So take a listen. One of the things that really struck me with it is how much one choice, either the choice to eat something with sugar in it or not mm-hmm. eat something with sugar in it every single day, right? Mm-hmm has a compound effect. So when yeah. you're in the moment, you don't think about it. You don't, you know, you mm-hmm. think, oh, it's just one cookie, boom, mm-hmm. and you eat it, right? Or you say, oh, I don't need to eat that cookie. And it's mm-hmm. just one, you know, one small choice. Yeah. Or, or an extra pump of vanilla right. in, your... in your latte, mm-hmm. right? All of these things, the compound effect is basically saying that, you know, you don't realize when you're in the moment, these small choices. They Mm -hmm. layer on top of each other and they compound. Mm -hmm. And you may not get the result you want in the first 30 days. You may not Mm -hmm. get the result you want in the first year. Mm -hmm. And he has a great, in this this, uh, YouTube compilation that I watched, it had this great um, video where it's actually like, you know, like interest. Like we Mm -hmm. we can understand compound interest when it applies, but you could be making these changes every single day for six months and really not see an effect. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but you have to stick with it. Mm-hmm. You have to keep making these small changes. And yeah. I know Lisa King, you know, her book, Tiny Life Changes, I'm sure she would agree with this, those little, but they don't necessarily talk about the compound effect Yeah, and how strong it is, mm-hmm. um, both negatively and positively. Yeah. So the, so the, the co- back to the cookie. So if you consider a cookie, I don't know how many calories in a cookie, 100 calories, 100, I don't know. Just yeah, say depend on the cookie. Yeah. Yeah. So if you eat a one cookie every day and it has a hundred calories, mm-hmm. then for a whole year, you've got 365 days right. of so eating 36,500 yeah, calories of extra. eating your 100 calories. If you cut out those 100 calories right. over that yeah, it's 10 pounds year, basically. Yeah. So it's like, you don't think one cookie <laughs> right. a day or seven cookies in a week or 31 whatever cookies in a month you don't really think so much about that and it might be like a a half pound a pound you know it it doesn't add up very but at the end of the year all of a sudden you've got 10 pounds yeah right it's it's the truth and that's that's simply for a week that that's an easy one to look at as, as far as a weight gain the 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 effects of improving your diet is just you know all the effects on your your physical health Mm -hmm. is just it's such a big impact by making these little changes every day and improving your your dietary intake and it does it just you know it's the accumulation of all these good choices that you make yeah and darren hardy says the first step toward change is awareness. Mm-hmm. If you want to get from where you are to where you want to be, you have to start by becoming aware of the choices that lead you away from your desired destination. Become very conscious of every choice you make today as you, so you can begin to make smarter choices moving forward. So as I said, the book, The Compound Effect, really opened my eyes to the power of habits. Because uh, while I'd really done research on which habits I wanted to focus on for Five for Life, I didn't thoroughly understand the process of habit building or habit breaking. After the compound effect, I realized that teaching people which habits to focus on wouldn't really matter if they didn't know how to build new habits. And like a lot of people, I had focused on the planning, the process of the, or the actions as my primary tool for building habits. So after the compound effect, I read Atomic Habits by James Clear. And in episode 25, we reviewed this book in depth. And one of the first parts of his book is talking about the different levels of change and how habits become more successful by creating habits that are part of the identity of who you want to become. Listen in. His whole process was doing. Mm-hmm the habit of writing, which then became evidence of the fact that he is a writer. He is, in fact, a writer. Right. Yeah. Not like he was a writer and then he tried to do, you know, he just, mm-hmm. he, he, he... He became a writer by writing. And that's the thing that he does talk about. It's about who you become. Yeah. And about the fact that it's really, he talks about three levels of change as it relates to habits. 
one is an outcome-based change and those changes are when you're just trying to lose weight right mm -hmm. that's the outcome you want yeah and those kind of habits are not usually as successful the process change which means i'm gonna restrict the number of calories i mm -hmm. eat i'm gonna exercise more it's all about the process and then the identity identity based change which is i'm go going to become a healthy and healthy person, person. Yeah. right and it's those identity changes you're who you wish to become emerges out of your habits. Mm -hmm. So he became a writer out of the habit of writing. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And every t action you take, he says, is a vote for, for who you wish to become. To be. yeah. yeah. So that's just kind of a little bit of a background on him and where this all started. But the, the whole basis of habits and atomic habits is that they're small little actions that become part of a larger system. And it's that system that you create and that you follow that really dictates what you will achieve. Yeah, your outcome. Which your results. And he says, you won't rise to the level of your goals. You will fall to the level of your systems. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, you know, is pretty profound, really. I mean, yeah. it's like, I mean, it's really... And it makes total sense when you think about it. Right. Because you can think all day long about this lofty goal you have and how much you want to do this and how much you want to achieve. But if you actually aren't taking those yeah. If you take no actions, actions, you will not achieve the goal. Right. And it's the whole compound effect. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that with our discussion on Dar Darren Hardy's book, mm -hmm. The Compound Effect. But really, he says that habits are the compound interest of self-improvement mm -hmm. they are so that i mean that is gold right there i, I love yeah. that habits are the compound interest of self-improvement if you want to improve yourself if you want mm -hmm. to live that happier longer life you have to develop the habits yeah. and that's the one thing he's very um vocal about is a lot of these tiny habits you don't get the you don't get the, the outcome right now as a long-term goal. Mm -hmm. He says, small changes appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold. Mm -hmm. And the most powerful outcomes of any compounding process are delayed. You mm -hmm. need to be patient. Yeah. So, you know, if you, you want better results, you need to focus on that system. You mm -hmm. don't focus on the outcome the goal yeah it's a bit like i think we've I've used this before it's uh life is not a destination it's a journey yeah right and you have to focus on the journey and, mm -hmm. and even though you know we say with our five daily actions when you move learn share give let go you're going to feel better right away mm -hmm. i mean if you're really practicing those habits and if you're really taking action on them every day you are mm -hmm. going to feel better yeah you are still working towards, you know, the goal. Yeah. Well, it's uh, live happier longer. We want the happier to be. Yeah. Right. Right now. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. but longer, it means that you are happier all the time as you live longer. Right. Exactly. And Wow. I still miss Angela's Scottish accent when I listen to these, but I've tried and I just can't do accents. So sorry about that. No going back in that regard. We really dove deep into Atomic Habits and talked more about the habit loop and the four laws, as James Clear calls them, for building good habits and their inverse laws for breaking habits that don't serve you. So this book really is great for helping you become aware of habits and figuring out the who you want to become for identity-based change. 
In episodes number 42, number 43, and number 44, we did a three-part series on habits that included the science of habits in episode 42, how to build new habits in episode 43, and how to break habits that don't serve you in episode 44. These episodes shared both information from the compound effect and atomic habits, but they also began our conversation on how our thoughts impact our habits. In episode number 42, we distinguished between the primitive brain and our higher level executive function brain, the prefrontal cortex. Here's some of that conversation. Okay, so the brain really takes over and creates the habit for you. And it does it does it for a reason. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a cool, I mean, it's really, you know, again, when you look at the evolution of our brains, it's just an amazing Mm-hmm. amazing thing mm-hmm. it does it because it wants us to to become it its sole desires to be more efficient and yeah. to be to there. find the easiest path without right. using at least amount of energy yeah mm-hmm. and so then it can basically when it uh when it relegates something to habit mm-hmm. to this internal system into the lower part of our brain that primitive brain um then it frees up our our prefrontal cortex to be able to think about, you know, doing other things. Yeah. Well, deeper thoughts and really important Mm -hmm. things like what's for dinner. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or other more important things. (laughs) But, uh, you know, the downside though, as we mentioned, is that some of our habits are so internalized that we may not even be aware of them. Mm -hmm. And some of them that, that can even include like emotional responses that have become habits because we learned them as children. Yeah, and and they were repeated and repeated and repeated. Right, and Mm -hmm. they were, and it was a part of that, and they were based on those kind of reactions of that primitive brain. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's start kind of talking about the two different, we're going to, like I said, 10,000 foot view. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about the two kind of systems in terms of the two different levels. I guess it's more... um, what I would liken to be the uh, emotional brain, right? Mm -hmm. So we have more of a primitive brain that's our emotional brain and then our prefrontal cortex, which is a more higher level thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And really evolution-wise, we call it also more primitive because that brain has existed, existed back in the days of the caveman. Yeah, and it was just survival mode right and so that's that's where it came from and now as as the brain has developed over the last 50,000 years Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know this the human beings have developed a larger frontal cortex a larger cerebrum and that's why we always talk about it in terms of you know people saying you know got to use your higher level your executive Mm -hmm. function all of that it exists because humans have have uh, yeah, evolved. Yeah, well, look, we're we're all sitting here in houses, and right, we can go to the store and buy food. <laughs> we're putting out know. podcasts on the internet. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> but that that primitive brain was all about, you know, finding food, finding shelter, mm-hmm. and surviving. That's right. That's not an issue we have to deal with now. You know, no. And sadly, like that that primitive brain, the limbic system is another. Uh, term that people use for that primitive type emotional brain like I'm talking about. And the reason I'm making that distinction is because the most primitive part of our brain is actually the cerebellum, which is 
down at which is not in this area it's it's located down closer to the brain stem down at mm -hmm. the base of our brain and that is one of the older like one of the oldest pieces of our brain it exists even it existed even in animals prior to um humans mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. before humans even existed so that is what they people you know making that distinction that may be the one of the most primitive parts of the brain mm -hmm we're talking more about primitive emotional brain mm -hmm. because again, the brain just in higher level beings and as opposed to other mammals, right? Mm -hmm. We have more gray matter. Yeah. And our brains have evolved and the front part of our brain, which is larger now is it's evolved there for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because the world's a far in a far more complicated place. Yeah. And, but still, it's this this is interesting an interesting statistic the brain has only evolved by 10 percent in the past fifty thousand years yeah which is <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's so we think that we are so evolved mm -hmm. can you imagine what's going to happen fifty thousand years from now they'll be looking back on uh you know us and thinking yeah. Wow. They did. People did that. <laughs> they did not have much going on in their brains. But um, according to evolutionary psychologists, um, most of our brain is still living back there in mm -hmm. the past. Mm -hmm. We have this prefrontal cortex, but you know, and we're equipped to deal with this modern world. But 90% uh, of us is still like back in the cave, you know, looking yeah. around foraging for food yeah <laughs> you know keeping predators out and also trying to mitigate risk and stick with things that are mm -hmm. familiar to us safe yeah safe exactly and it's why we typically dismiss things that we don't understand very well mm -hmm. right our brain just goes oh yeah that's that seems like it might yeah. be scary mm -hmm. um it might be an enemy yeah. it might be Sa safe is actually a great this i'll do this this is safe right I love the science of the brain, but yes, I am a confirmed science geek, so hopefully you did. <laughs> hey, just a quick break to talk with you for a minute about Sunnyside. You hear me talk about it on the show often, and it really is my number one recommendation for a mindful drinking app. People use this tool in my groups, in my classes, and they tell me all the time how much they really appreciate the fact that Sunnyside is a very positive reinforcement. And what I mean by that is that when you track your drinks, and let's just say you planned for one drink and you ended up having two, if you're honest and you track that second drink, you're not going to get a message that shames you in any way or reprimands you, you're actually going to get positive reinforcement for tracking a drink that you didn't plan on and some ideas and some suggestions for going and grabbing a snack or getting some water. Sunnyside is like having a coach in your pocket. And I love that. You can try it for a 15-day free trial. Go to www.sunnyside.co slash molly to get started today. In episode 43, we focused on building new habits and shared our own six C's of habit building. Here you go. We also want to talk about what we call the six C's of habit building, uh, because I think really this is where 
the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of where you have to start in terms of training your brain mm -hmm. and making the, and really making the habit start there. And we've talked about it before. I think it's super important that understanding that everything that we feel, everything that we do, everything, action and result that we get in our life starts with a thought. Yeah. And we can choose thoughts yeah. that actually create feelings that are the feelings that help us do the actions that we want. Mm -hmm. Likewise, we may not be realizing that we are thinking things that are in no way getting us to the result that we that want. That we really want. Right. Yeah. They're taking us down, you know, and, and sometimes those thoughts are so, uh, they're, they're happening so quickly in the brain that we're not even aware that they're there. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's an internal voice and perhaps it's a voice that we've kind of an internal track that we've had running for years and years and years. And we aren't even aware that it's, it's there and causing us. Yeah. So, but the six habits, the six C's of habit building that we are going to talk about and really is kind of a part of our program in terms of what we're working on, the ultimate habit building system is the first one is commit six first first C of the six C's is commit. And that means you have to commit to change. There's another C, mm -hmm. but <laughs> we're going to focus on commit. And um, that's kind of easier said than done, but reminding yourself that the discomfort you feel is part of the process, but really committing mm -hmm. and understanding that you have to figure out what's in it for you that is really your mm -hmm. why, right? Why, we talk why you're about doing it. Your exactly. Why, yeah. But you have to be committed to change. And this is the, um, when I talked about the, the resource tool that we're going to provide, it's, uh, it's a, a commitment sheet that mm -hmm. helps you, uh, commit to change. Yeah. And some commitment statements, uh, that you can work on for why you are wanting to change something about yourself mm -hmm. and really, you know, because we are creatures of habit. Yeah. Understanding that we need to change something either for the mm -hmm. positive or for, you know, mm -hmm. breaking a bad habit. Or even just change to build a new habit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It requires a commitment. Mm -hmm. So first C, commit. Kind of what I just mentioned, our second C is choose. And that's really, if you understand the thought, the feeling, the action, the result mm -hmm. of, you know, life, that process and what we call... You know, that's about the self-coaching model. It's mm -hmm. choosing the thoughts of the person that you're becoming, not from your past. Yeah. And the thoughts that somebody has that is already where <clears throat> you want to be, that's where you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. Because if you're listening to the thought that says, oh, I've tried this before. Oh, it doesn't I, work. Yeah, I can't I, do that. I can't do this. Oh, I've never been able to mm -hmm. uh, maintain my weight loss. Oh, I've never been able to get the job that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I, you know, if you start to go backwards and you're and and look at things that way, that's never going to help you change your your future. Yeah, you have to choose the thoughts that are going to uh, lead to the feelings that lead to the actions and the results that you're trying to get. Mm -hmm. So. Second C is choose. The third C is what happens when you choose the right thoughts. Mm -hmm. It creates the feelings that you uh, need to take action. So create is create the feelings. Yeah, is uh, 
C, number 3C. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's all about creating feelings that help you need to take action. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I want to feel uh, motivated, if I want to feel determined, if I want to feel energetic, Mm -hmm. then the thought, oh, I'm super tired doesn't really get me there, right? Mm -hmm. So if I choose to think I'm tired, I'm not going to, and and maybe I am, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe I didn't sleep that well last night, but that's the whole point Yeah, is that (laughs) I can override that thought because it's really a thought that I'm having. Yeah, but it's not even that it's like, I'm tired so I can't do it. Right. But you can still be tired and say, but I will do it. Yeah. You know, right. and so it's the difference between going, Ugh, that's it, I can't do it. Yeah. And and making it a positive thought that because back to the whole mindset is, you know, you're tired. That's not going to change. Right. The the right now, if you're tired, you're tired. But it's how you feel about that and, and what thought you say. Right. You know, the and difference. If you, if you you know, if I sit there and I focus on I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, all I'm gonna end up doing is feeling more tired. Mm -hmm. If I instead say, you know, if I just don't choose to think I'm tired and I Mm -hmm. choose to think I'm capable, Mm -hmm. I'm ready. I'm looking forward. I'm Mm -hmm. happy today about, you know, I can choose where I put my focus. I can choose what I think Mm -hmm. to create the feeling that I'm looking for. That's going to help me do the action that I want to do. Yeah. And you know, it's all that it is while it's not always easy to do it is that simple Mm -hmm. so um, our fourth c is collaborate and whenever you're trying to build a new habit Mm -hmm. uh, it's always good to have a partner in crime right accountability partners Mm -hmm. like-minded tribe these uh, are people that help pick you up and keep you strong Mm -hmm. and quite honestly if you're trying to do new things and build new habits. And if you're surrounding yourself by people that are like, ah, that's, you know, they're naysayers, they're negative. Mm -hmm. That's just not going to be uh, a way that helps you build a new Mm -hmm. habit. So definitely collaborate, you know, listen in to the podcast, our podcast, find people that are Mm -hmm. genuinely motivated to create new habits and are focused on building the habits of a happier, longer life. Yeah. So the fifth C, C number five, is C for celebrate. And it's important to recognize and to reward yourself, remind yourself that building new habits is hard work. And each time you take another step forward, it deserves some positive reinforcement for your brain. Yeah, so, and self-positive reinforcement. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's small victories. Um, our brain's always seeking rewards. And as long as that celebration doesn't conflict with whatever habit you are trying to work on, <laughs> e.g. you don't want to focus, you know, if you're focused on building a habit of exercise, then taking the day off, unless you're injured or mm-hmm. whatever, isn't really a great reward. Like, Yeah. I'm you a, want to continue what you're doing, but give yourself something else as Right. Like as a, a cute new workout outfit would be a yeah. good reward for someone that's trying to build the habit of exercise, right? Yes. Yeah. So small victories, but we need to celebrate because that's that's another way of getting our brains to want to, to keep on building the habit. Yeah. And keep going. Yeah. yeah. So uh, sixth C, C number six in our six C's of habit building is to correct. So 
When you fall off track, it's important to correct yourself just as soon as you possibly can. Uh, I believe James Clear says something to the effect of, you know, missing one day is a mistake and missing two is building the habit in the opposite direction. Yeah. So you don't want to to fall off track too far and mm-hmm. not get yourself back on. But when you have fallen off track, it's really important. Here's a couple of more C's to be curious and compassionate with ourselves as we're trying to figure out what it was that led us to falling off track. Because ultimately, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, it isn't just not doing the action that is the result, you know, that, that breaks the habit. There is a thought mm-hmm. that led to us not having the feeling that we wanted to go on and falling mm-hmm. off, falling off pace. So yeah. we need to be compassionate and curious with that thought. Yeah. And, and ultimately give yourself a break. So things happen that for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it can put you off track. But the important thing is that you figure out why and mm-hmm. move on and get back onto it. Yeah. And figure out, you know, really understand and be compassionate with yourself about the why. Understand it. Don't just gloss over it and say, oh, you know, or, or go down some sort of negative self-talk mm-hmm. spiral that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. So, um, correct, get yourself back on track. Lastly, in episode 44, we talked about breaking habits that don't serve you. We gave good tips throughout all these episodes. And in this episode, I think the power of language and the affirmations is what I want you to hear or rehear if that's the case. So here we go. Today, we are going to be talking about I, of course, don't have any bad habits. Obviously. <laughs> um, quote, unquote, bad habits. I'm going to say that right now. Uh, we are going to talk today about how to break, quote, unquote, bad habits. Yeah. Or we, we will rename them as. Yes. I'm going to say that habits that don't serve you. Yes. So I want to, and, and there's a reason for that, right? Because I don't think we should approach those quote unquote, bad habits as bad. And the reason is because when you call something bad, it's pretty easy for your brain to start thinking that I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it sounds if there is if there might be something broken with you. Yeah. And then it just starts the, the negativity. Yeah. And the negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And here's the truth. Just because you're, you have a habit that doesn't serve you, you're not bad. You're not broken. And whatever habit is that you'd really like to break is not a reason for being, you know, that's not making you bad, right? Mm -hmm. For instance, I am not a bad person, even though I have a habit of overeating emotionally, right? Yeah. And it feels like what I think is the worst part about habits that don't serve you or things of that, like that kind of negative, uh, destructive type of habit is that they really do impact your self-esteem about yourself, right? And then they're kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You feel bad. Yeah. You So you overeat. Yeah. And you right, feel you bad because right. you've overeaten. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a cycle. It is. And it's a, it's a hard cycle to work on. Uh, I mean, a hard cycle to break. It's something I'm working on, though, and continue to work on. And the reason it's so important to teach your brain new language about habits is because many of us 
for so long have had an internal soundtrack that's playing in our brains that we're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's almost like subliminal advertising. We've just been telling ourselves the same stories for so long that we believe they're true. Yeah. Like me saying, I'm an emotional overeater. Yeah, uh, so therefore, therefore I just anytime, keep... Right. Yeah. I so, keep, so really, I should be sitting with a big pile of cream cakes right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you should be, because you're... Yeah, if you were me. Um, but the, you know, the fact is, is that that internal soundtrack, that internal dialogue that we, we've heard for so long and we've been telling ourselves for so long, we can just as easily... Because every thought that we have is optional. We, we can choose to think something different and we can just as easily think thoughts that will help us break those habits as we can continue to play that, that old soundtrack in our heads. Yeah. Right. Um, so I want to say that that's really what we're going to work on. We are going to break habits that don't serve us. All right. We're back in 2023. What do you think? Listening back on all of that, a lot of what I was talking about is the same things I talk about now, right? And trust me, it was that realization for me, the application of everything that I was learning and realizing that my drinking was just a habit that wasn't serving me. It wasn't some big weakness or character flaw or somehow different from other habits. And so many of us are stuck in that mindset. So many of us believe that that's, that there's something different about alcohol than other things. And it's just not true. I want you to look at it the same way and start applying these practices of habit change and getting committed and creating consistency. If you are still looking for opportunities to change your relationship with alcohol and just listening to the podcast is, is not getting you where you need to go, I really want to encourage you to check out Just Start. It's my 30-day mini program that is designed to introduce these concepts at a deeper level. Just Start stands for Smart Thinking and Real Tools to help you change your drinking habits, smart thinking, and real tools. You can check it out at www.mollywatts.com slash start. Make it a great week, everyone, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action this week. Changing your drinking habits and creating a peaceful relationship with alcohol is 100% possible. You can stop worrying, stop feeling guilty about over drinking and become someone who desires alcohol less. Come join me in making peace with alcohol. It's my six month online course and group coaching program designed to help you build sustainable change. Give me six months and I'll help you create peace. Check it out at www.mollywatts.com slash join. That's Molly with a Y and Watts with an S dot com slash join. Come join me today.